All right, good evening, everybody. Um, this evening, I'm going to be speaking about King David. Um, everybody's familiar with David. Um, he is um, he was the second king of Israel after King Saul. Um, he was also the more his most famous claim to fame, obviously, was slaying the giant. Anyway, um, my uh, first point about King David is uh, his lineage. Um, David was from the tribe of Judah. The 12 tribes of Israel de descended from Jacob's 12 sons. With the exception of Levi, each tribe controlled specific territory within the nation of Israel. Judah was the son who prevailed over his brothers. In, um, do we have First Chronicles up there? Okay. Uh, in First Chronicles um, chapter 5, wow. verse 2, uh, which says, For... Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. My word, my writing is atrocious. But the birthright was Joseph's. While Saul, Israel's first king, was from the tribe of Benjamin, Judah became the tribe of kings. Judah's territory included the city of Jerusalem. Now, when David became king, he established Jerusalem as the nation's capital and God's headquarters, permanently altering Judah's importance in Jewish, Jewish life and culture. David's line <clears throat> ruled in Jerusalem for about 400 years until King Nebuchadnezzar captured the city and broke the line of kings. David was the youngest of seven sons. Um, it came to my attention, um, I wonder if you have noticed that the number seven um, came to represent completion and perfection in every facet of ancient Jewish culture. Uh, with God's work of creation, when he finished the, war, <clears throat> finished the world and rested the seventh day in Genesis 2-3. You don't have to turn there, by the way. I'm sure you're all familiar with um, <clears throat> the uh, scripture. Um, it has also been seen in the Feast of Tabernacles, which um, occurs on the seventh day of the seventh month. And the year of Jubilee, which uh, debts were forgiven and property returned to its original owners, among other things, took place after seven cycles of seven years. Biblical offers present different representations of David's immediate family. He was Jesse's seventh son, and if you would... Uh, Turn with me now to 1 Chronicles 2, chapter 13 through 15, um, which says, And Jesse begat his firstborn, Eliab, and Abinadab the second, and Shema the third, Nathaniel the fourth, Radai the fifth, Ozem the sixth, David the seventh. 
Now, David was not the firstborn son, which is a privileged position in Judaism, and the authors weren't intent on working in the number seven, seven which associates with David and with holiness and God's perfect plan for his people. Now, my second point is that God was David's anointed one. David was also from Bethlehem, and these days most everyone associates the little town of Bethlehem with the birth, of course, of Jesus. But centuries before Jesus, another prominent biblical figure, uh, which the Gospel of Luke refers to, uh, Bethlehem as the town of David. And in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 4, we read, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. It, <clears throat> it's well known that it was David's old stomping ground. It was also where uh, Samuel anointed him the king of God's people. Most people today only think of Jesus' birth in a manger, but it is important to consider that this manger was in Bethlehem, a town the Jewish people associated with one of the biggest announcements in their history, where their most important king had his humble beginnings. Both David and Jesus were both anointed of God. And in Acts... Um, Okay, this is, you don't have to turn there, but in Acts uh, 4.27, it reads, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. Samuel had anointed Saul to show that God had set him apart for a special role. But years later, when Saul had disobeyed God, God had rejected him as king. Now, in 1 Samuel um, chapter 15, verse 26, um, it says, And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Um, you can also keep this place in your Bible. We're going to be in Samuel almost in order through the rest of the sermon. Uh, it was now time for God to choose someone else. So the Lord sent Samuel to <clears throat> Jesse of Bethlehem, telling him, I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, we see... And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, as Jason read earlier in the um, Bible reading, uh, from seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now Samuel thought he would... <coughs> that he would know whom God had chosen by their appearance and assumed the oldest, Eliab. <clears throat> and he was uh, clearly the chosen one. We all know that the Lord does not look at people the same way that man does. We tend to look at the outward appearance of a person. 
We may look at a person's physical appearance and think because they are strong, they would be a good leader. Perhaps there might be another type of appearance or characteristics they might see that would give them the same idea. But as we know, the Lord looks into a man's heart when he judges them. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, we read, And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked upon Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now we know earlier that God sought a man that was after his own heart, because Saul did not keep the command of the Lord. After all, Jesse's after all Jesse's sons had passed by, except for David, Samuel asked if all his children were there. And Jesse had answered that the youngest of his children, a shepherd, had not been seen. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 12 through 13, we read, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now my third point is uh, that David was a shepherd before uh, becoming a king. Uh, now before, um, or excuse me, that was why he wasn't with his brothers when Samuel came to anoint the next king. You would think that being a shepherd is easy work and that all you need to do is feed and lead the sheep. But it can be a dangerous job. David killed bears and lions both to defend his father's sheep. In fact, David cites his experience as a shepherd to convince Saul that he can defeat Goliath. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 through 37, we see, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, <clears throat> and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Now David said, moreover, that the Lord... <clears throat> Excuse me, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Now, in his confrontation with Goliath, uh, David would care for the Lord's flock, the people of Israel, and once again defend his father's sheep from harm. This time the Lord would rescue him from a foe that Saul and his entire army 
was afraid of. David's many victories in his life remind me of the quote from Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26, which you don't have to turn there either, uh, where the last part of that verse says, with God, all things are possible. David's experience as a shepherd creates a powerful portrayal of God's relationship with his people and foreshadowing God's most famous shepherd, the Lord Jesus. David was also a musician. He used his talents to help <clears throat> put Saul's mind at ease when a spirit had tormented him. David was a shepherd and musician before he was king, and apparently uh, he was quite talented. Now, my fourth point is the story of David and Goliath. Um, the next part of David's life that I would like to speak about is the part that David is most famous for, and that his battle with the, gi the giant Goliath. The Philistine army and the army of Israel are lined up on opposing hills, and Goliath taunted the Israelites and challenged them to a duel between himself and one of the Israelites. Turn back a little bit in your Bibles to chapter 17, verses 8 through 11. Uh, that's uh, Samuel. We're still in Samuel, by the way. Um, and read along with me. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we, <clears throat> we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel had heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, Goliath wasn't just taunting the Israelites. He was defying God himself and on God's own turf. Every day they declined to send a warrior. It was like saying that their God was not as powerful as the gods of the Philistines. But David was not going to put up with this any longer. Excuse me. <clears throat> He convinced uh, Saul to let him go and challenge Goliath. Then he took five stones and went out to meet him. David then tells Goliath that he may have a sword, spear, and shield, but David has his Lord that will deliver <clears throat> the giant into David's hand. Then David says he will remove his head and feed the carcass to the animals, and the God of Israel will be revealed to the world. And with a single stone and a sling, David hit Goliath in the forehead so hard that the stone sank into his skull, and it killed him. And then he then stood upon the giant, taking Goliath's sword and cutting off the giant's head. Now, the story of uh, David and Goliath has been told many, many times, um, and they have become symbols for underdogs and for brutes and overcoming impossible odds. 
Uh, this story has been uh, referenced in movies, literature, and also used as a situation to <clears throat> be also used as an encouragement. But in the Bible, the story is not about an underdog. It's about faith. David's faith is one of his defining characteristics, and it led him to overcome many enemies afterward. Many things have his name attached to them. Um, there is the Star of David and, of course, the City of David, just to name a couple. He also has 73 psalms attributed to his name, and they are Psalms 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, and then 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61 through 65, 68, 69, 70, 86, 101, 103, 108, 9, and 110, 121, 124, 131, 133, 138, and 141 through 145. Now that's most of the Psalms in uh, the book of Psalms. And most of his Psalms are laments, but he wrote Psalms of praise and thanksgiving and his trust in God. He was an important Messiah anointed of God to save and rule his people. He lays the foundation for the only sin, sinless human, of course, Jesus Christ, whom God used to save and rule over all humanity. Now, later on in uh, David's life, I was under the gun to finish this sermon because Tracy and I first had, uh, as you know, her computer blew up. And then uh, we had a TV fail on us, and then the next thing to go down was our internet crashed. So uh, anyway, once getting through all three of those things, I only had a little time to write um, my sermon. But I did print out many pages. I'm just going to give you a brief overview, and perhaps I'll finish um, with the story of David uh, later on or the next time that I speak to you. Um, Let's see, after he um, defeated um, Goliath, uh, people started to see David as greater than Saul. And after the Israelites also defeated the Philistines, women danced and sang. Uh, understandably, uh, Saul felt threatened by David as David's fame as a warrior had grown. Saul feared him more and more. This fear led Saul to drive away his greatest asset. He also attempted to kill David on multiple occasions and became his constant enemy. After Saul died in battle with the Philistines, David warred against Saul's commander, Abner, and Saul's last son, Ishbosheth, whom Abner had made king of Israel. Eventually, uh, David became king and... Uh, continued his legacy as a great warrior. 
It also says that uh, David was Israel's greatest king. Uh, and David had been living and fighting for the Philistines, the Israel's sworn enemies. But when Saul died, the tribe of Judah anointed David as their king, as uh, we can see in 2 Samuel verse 2, and uh, or I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, but Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, made Saul's son Ishbosheth over king of Israel, as I said before. Uh, also, we're going to come to the part um, where the Ark of the Covenant was uh, in Judah, and he con uh, David conquered Jerusalem and returned the Ark to the city. Also, David commits adultery. Um, David also plotted to have Uriah killed with, uh, I believe she was the husband of the man of Bathsheba's husband. Bathsheba's husband, thank you. Um, also, there are many other things in David's life. Um, as we read, uh, I told you before, and we read David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, he lived approximately a thousand years before Jesus Christ. Uh, also, we'll uh, cover that he had at least eight wives. Um we already covered that he wrote about half of the book of Psalms, and uh, that's where I read you all of the Psalms that he had covered. I didn't realize that it was that many. Um, and let's see, is there anything else? That's pretty much it on what I have for you for today. Um, and David's, um, as I said before, he was quite a prominent figure in the Bible, Um he was um, a strong man. He was anointed of God. Um, obviously, he was chosen by him. And um, he also foreshadowed the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he was also, um, what did it say, that uh, they were both, both he and Jesus Christ were both anointed of God. Um, that's pretty much all I can think of um, it's pretty interesting, um, all the things that you can learn uh, in the Bible. Um, I've learned quite a bit uh, doing my uh, sermons uh, for pastor and for, uh, for you folks. Um, it's quite interesting, all of the uh, figures that are in the Bible. I mean, you know of David, and um, let's see, there's a whole host of, there's Moses. You have Joshua, um, which I'm reading about in... Um, Deuteronomy. Um, also, um, let's see, there's um, King David, there's Saul, there's Samuel, um, which has books, uh, many other characters, as you know, and we'll cover those, I'm sure, later on. Um, I don't have anything else for you. Um, let's see, uh, we be, guess we'll be closing a little bit earlier. As I said, I had trouble with all of my electronics. Um, and wait, I have some questions for you. On, uh, um, you'll notice I didn't have any prayer lists. Um, the prayer list is uh, captured in the computer that blew up, uh, so I don't know if I'll be able to recover it, but I'm going to ask Wade if there's a way I can uh, recreate it in um, one of the... Um,
wonderful things that Windows has. I think it's Office or Microsoft 365, but anyway. Um, so let's close in a word of prayer. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, thank you so much <clears throat> for bringing these sermons to me. Thank you so much for uh, you giving me the unction of the Spirit. Thank you so much for you giving me the um, uh, tools that I need to find these things either online or in the Bible. Um, your Bible, your word is a great reference uh, that we Christians have um, to read about how you would like us to act and how you would like us to treat our fellow man. Also, um, the things that you would expect of us. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the word. Uh, on this prayer evening, I would like to pray for my wife, Tracy, uh, and hopefully she will be able to get the surgery done that she wants to have done. And then hopefully we will be able to uh, get her back on track with the shots in her back. And I also pray that uh, we'll be, get, be able to get that uh, situation taken care of. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for everybody lending an ear to listen to me speak. I would like to also pray for Brother DJ, for Marge Lay, for Beverly Wood, for our pastor Danny, Wade and Miss Kay, and all of their teachings, and also um, Dale Crosby. Um, and all of the other people, there are many, you know who they are, and you know what their needs are. And thank you once again for all that you do. But thank you so, so much for the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross so we could spend an eternity with you and him in heaven, and in whose precious holy name we always pray. Amen. Amen.